0: Would you stand in reverence as we read from the Holy Scriptures this morning from 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man in high favor with his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel." He went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean." But Naaman became angry and went away saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Pharpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage. But his servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was wash and be clean? So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. May these words lead us to the heart of God. So we have people who spend their whole adult lives and careers and professions as Bible scholars and Bible translators and Bible researchers, and they continue to find things that help us understand what we have in these ancient scrolls now translated into English in our Bibles, and they come up with new insights. One of them applies to this section today. We read the word leprosy several times, which in more common modern medical terms is called Hansen's disease, but the Bible scholars say that's not what they're talking about here. In our Bible, when we read leprosy, it is translated from a word that means any number of skin problems. You may have a footnote if you have a Bible with you or reading scripture where it says leprosy. There's this footnote in mine that reminds me this is a term for several skin diseases, precise meaning, uncertain. We have lots of words like that in the scriptures where it's a single-use word or it's such an ancient word. We're not sure what it means. Today is one of those. But that's not really the point of the sermon. That's just an aside. So you know we have Bible scholars helping us understand all of this. What we have here today, a story today, Of this fellow Naaman who has some skin disease and he's seeking some relief as I read through it maybe you had this feeling too it seems like it's kind of a last resort that he's tried some other things to heal up this skin condition and he's still plagued by it but then there's this captive servant girl that hears what's going on in the family and says to the woman of the house You know, too bad. He's not from where I'm from. Down there, they could take care of this. She tells Naaman. He thinks maybe it's worth a try. He goes to the king and says, what do you think? The king says, I'll do you one better. I'll write a letter to their king and send it with you so they'll treat you right. So, he gathers all these signs of power and prestige and wealth and heads down to see the king of Israel. When he gets there, the king realizes something is up. He reads the letter. He thinks it's a trap. Look at who's come. They've raided us before. They've plundered us before, and now they're back. And this is just a pretext to start all of that again. He tears his clothes. He's so upset. But Elisha, the man of God, we're told says don't worry about it I've got this send him over to me I'll take care of it so the king is no longer distraught he's glad to hurry them away go see Elisha you get the idea that when Naaman shows up at Elisha's place with all of his wealth all of his military that he's expecting Elisha to come out with respect, maybe with fear, maybe with a little more deference, because he's a reigning foreign authority. But what does Elisha do? He doesn't even bother to come out of the house. He sends a message. Verse 10 says to Naaman, go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. Seems simple enough. But Naaman is outraged. Elisha hasn't come out, and now he's not even giving him anything fancy or powerful or flamboyant to heal him. He's got to go down and splash around in the river. You get the idea that he thinks this is all beneath him, that that man should have come out and done something for him, And the man did not, and it says he leaves outraged. But the servants have cooler heads, and they say to him, if he had said, go do something really difficult, wouldn't you have done it? Wouldn't you have risen to the challenge? Wouldn't you be willing to go do that? How much more does it take to just go down to the Jordan River go down the banks, go up and down seven times, see what happens. It tells us Naaman decided maybe they're right. And he goes and does the deed seven times in the Jordan, and he comes up fresh and clean, says he has the skin of a young boy. When I read stories like this, I often get caught up in all those details. But I keep reminding you as a way to remind myself that all of these stories are not there just because of the story itself, but they are there to point us toward God. The main focus of these biblical stories is to tell us more about God, to point us toward God. When it's in the Hebrew Scriptures, it's the God of the Israelites, YHWH, Yahweh, their special God that they've come to believe cares particularly about them, but is the creator of the entire universe. There are three important things I want to highlight here about God and faith from this healing story. Number one, notice how God gets the word out to this fellow Naaman. First, it's a servant girl that speaks. Then his wife. And then when he gets to Israel, it's Elisha, again, someone that he doesn't think very much of. And then at the end, it's really his servants that convince him to go down to the river. I think... One of the points this story is lifting up for us is that God is at work through common, everyday, regular people. All these people, as far as Naaman is concerned, are kind of on the periphery. They're not rich or famous or powerful or learned. These are servants. And yet, they are the ones that help him move through this story until he comes to meet this God he did not know. Do you believe God works through everyday, regular, common people like you and me? I mentioned a matriarch of a church I served while I was away from here Helen Cruz and how she turned 100 years old and I was able to go interview her and how she talked about the most difficult in her life was the time she felt closest to God and how God had carried her through. In the same interview, the same conversation I was having with her, I said, what would you highlight as the most significant thing in all these decades of life, particularly here at the church? And she said, oh, the people. It's the relationships. People I have come to know that have been a part of our family of faith. That's the most important thing. That's the most significant thing that has happened to me here it reminds us to appreciate the people around us, to notice that God may be speaking through someone we know trying to help us, but so often we miss it because like Naaman, we're, we're hoping for something a little more dramatic and flamboyant from God. But it might just be something that someone you know says to you in the common everyday Interactions of our life. God may be working right now through someone who knows you. Notice what people are saying. Number two, there's something better than physical healing that we can find. Naaman is focused on the healing, but notice what he has offered is a relationship with a God he did not know. He says in the story, but the rivers up in Damascus, the rivers where I'm from, are so much better than this river. But it's important to remember in the Hebrew scriptures, anytime we're talking about the Jordan River, it has theological significance. Here it represents Yahweh, their God, who Naaman is going to come to find out cares about him I know a man who noticed a knot growing under his skin he didn't think too much about it to begin with but as he continued to watch it it continued to grow until it became alarming and he began to think maybe something's really wrong he hesitated a while longer finally went to his doctor Afraid that it might be cancer. And of course, the doctor looked at it and said, We can't be for sure. It might be. We need to do a biopsy. Go home. Don't worry about it. We'll let you know. Of course, we know what he did. He went home and worried about it. (laughs) He said it really began to overtake all of his thinking. All he could think about was, This is going to shorten my life. This is going to kill me. It's going to be terrible. And sure enough, when the doctor's office called, it was cancer. And he said it threw him deeper and deeper into a very dark place. He could see nothing but terrible things coming. Until one morning, he said he got up early and he went outside of his home. And he began to pray. And he said, during that time, he received a revelation, a message from God. And he said, basically, all the message was, all that God said was, relax, it's going to be all right. And he still doesn't know if he's going to survive the cancer, but he said... It completely changed my perspective. Feeling that connection with God has changed everything. I still don't know if I'm going to live or die, but I do know it's going to be all right. He says he's still going to seek out the best medical treatment he can find, and he's going to do what the doctors say, but he said it's completely changed how I'm living my life because I've made a new kind of connection with God. Can you believe that there might be something better than physical healing that we can find? That even in the face of trouble or death or disease, there might be something better than physical healing or cure that we can experience number three there is no formula there are no magic words or particular formula we can follow to guarantee that God will heal us when we're sick I think we all have a little bit of naming in us where we're doing pretty good with God as long as God does what we ask so when we pray and we ask for something in particular and then we feel like God does that we're good to go But most of us, when we pray and it doesn't turn out the way we want it to go, or when we're walking through life and something goes sideways, it's much more difficult to continue to trust in God and to follow Christ. But if we think about it, change is all around us. Change is occurring All the time. And when changes come, often there are opportunities for growth. And growth is necessarily going to take us out of our comfort zones. It's going to take us beyond the familiar, comfortable places which we usually inhabit. Growing in faith is going to take you to a new place. It might be uncomfortable, it might be unfamiliar. But if you want to be more like Christ, wouldn't you think it's going to require you to grow some more, to grow in love and to grow in grace? I know in my own life, when I feel like God is leading me and it's in a way that I've experienced before, it's a familiar pattern and a familiar practice, I do pretty good as a follower of Christ. But I know myself well enough that when I begin to feel like God is pulling me or stretching me into a new area, I get a little uncertain and a little more timid, sometimes a little bit anxious. Sometimes the anxiety takes over rather than the leading of God when I'm being pulled or stretched outside of my comfort zone or outside of what feels most familiar. Certainly that was happening to Naaman. When he traveled to a foreign country and was meeting foreign prophets and eventually, if you read beyond where we stop today, meeting this new God with whom he engages in a relationship. Oh, we like the familiar, we like the comfort, but this story suggests what you and I are offered is a relationship. I'm not given a formula in Scripture I'm offered a relationship, and finally that is something infinitely richer and more demanding and more nuanced, but ultimately something more satisfying to my soul. Kathy Lightner is one of our retired United Methodist ministers. She writes beautifully. She wrote a story about a time where she was out on a camping trip and there was a swimming pool and not many people were there and she went to the pool after dark. She likes to swim. She swam some laps and then she said when she had had enough, she just rolled over in the water and floated on her back and looked up into the night sky and she said the stars were amazing. And she was a little bit overwhelmed by the magnificence of it all. And she began to think about how small her life was in comparison to this light coming from the stars that had begun its journey eons ago, that now she is seen as something beautiful. And she said her mind wandered to that passage where the psalmist asked, Who are we? that God is mindful of us. And while she was floating, she said she remembered a story she had read about Beethoven that said that one night he was floating in water under the night sky and a tune came to him and he wrote it down and it's a tune that we know as joyful, joyful, we adore thee. And then she said, Her mind went to the words that are added by Henry Van Dyke. It's number 89 in our hymnal. And these words are the ones that came to her that night. All thy works with joy surround thee. Earth and heaven reflect thy rays. Stars and angels sing around the center of unbroken praise. Mortals join The mighty chorus, which the morning stars begin. Love divine is reigning over us, binding all within its span. Naaman took a chance, traveled to a different country, thought he knew what to expect. It didn't play out just the way he thought. But he found something even better a relationship with a God who cares about Him and a God who cares about you and me. Name and story reminds us that when we're in times of trouble and difficulty and struggle to look for God, for surely we will find a God who cares about each one of us and a God who's offering us a relationship of love and life abounding a God who cares about you and yours in ways we can scarcely comprehend. May it be so that each of us looks to God anew. Amen. And thanks be to God.